Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, Episode 18B. That's part two of a two-parter, Episode 18. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing great, John, aside from the suspense killing me like everyone else. I want to make sure that everyone knows we're both VMware solution engineers looking to bring you the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. We hope our discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Uh, I'm liking that intro. I like it. Man, I, our editor's pretty good. I can't believe he did that cliffhanger thing to our listeners because that was that was pretty nasty. <laughs> pretty mean. Pretty mean. Yeah, as you're alluding to, uh, we kind of left uh, part one of the interview with Joseph Griffiths on a cliffhanger. Uh, but actually, I don't even remember where we left off. <laughs> where did we leave off? Well, it was after the taco story, but I think Joseph was about to tell us about his eye-opening experience at VMworld. I think maybe we should back up just a little bit before that to give context to his story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good idea. Okay, so here's part two with Joseph Griffiths, except that we'll start with Nick talking. Maybe it's a misperception because I think in a lot of cases we might think, okay, well, this is how I add value and I don't. Maybe I didn't realize how easy it is to automate this or that I could. I know that sounds silly, but, you know, if you have if your eyes haven't been open, so to speak, then you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways that that story that we started out with from from VMworld was an eye opening experience for me, to your point, Nick, of of opening your eyes. Um, You know, as I think about this you know, is my job going to go away kind of conversation in this situation. I, I, I go back to, you know, people feeling the fear that they can't change or that they can't grow or they can't do something else. IT workers are the most innovative people I know because they're, they're people whose jobs change. You know, I, I remember many years ago, I was working with a project manager and she was telling me, you know, I was asking the status of a project. She said, I, I can't check my dashboard. We just changed the software we use and it's really hard to learn. And I said, oh, well, how long ago did you change the software? And she's like, six months ago. <laughs> and, and, and as I thought of it, I was like, I, I walked away and I was like, what, who am I dealing with here? And then I, I realized something. As an IT worker, I've had to learn something new every single day of my career because there's no way a college degree could prepare me for the complexity of IT. I literally have to get up in the morning and learn something new and do it each and every single day, right? She uh, has a different skill set. She has a communication skill set. She works with people. She coordinates projects. She gets deadlines, right? When it came to the IT portion of, of learning that new tool, it was so hard for her that it took you know seven months for her to get comfortable with that. That's not a knock on the person. It's just a different skill set. Um, to that point, I would ask this question uh, of you guys, right? Which is, um, have you ever sat down and just shut down your email client, just close the email client, 
or do you repeatedly check it throughout the day? I have, uh, I'll shut it down from time to time, but I think I'm guilty of being a slave to the notification as a new email comes in. Honestly, that there will be times where I'll shut it down, but I probably could do it more. Yeah. I'm personally, I'm a getting things done guy where, you know, the, the idea is that you open up like maybe a specific set of windows that you do email, you know, like it's a task. I'm going to check my email now. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, uh, my, uh, idea. So I, I get notifications from six to nine. I, I'll get notifications from 12 to one and then from five to six. Interesting. So two very divergent approaches, right? Um, I think this, this is representative in my mind, a lot of the IT workers that we have, which is they have become so driven by the notification system that when the notification system, whether it's email or the ticketing system or whatever, they get their work assignment from in reactionary models that by the time they get to the point where they have a break in those things, they just stare at their screen waiting for the next one to come through. Right. Um, I, I, I've taken an approach a lot like you have, John, I, I have certain times that I check email and then I figured emails a 24 hour turnaround mechanism. If you really need something from me right now, you probably ought to get on your phone and call me. And that's something I treated as an immediate mechanism for, for notification. And, and I found an amazing amount of efficiency gain by shutting it down and an amazing amount of people to solve their own problems by the time I get around to answering those questions. Right. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that we all become slaves to different notifiers or different kinds of reactionary work. And we could all do with a little bit of backing away and saying, um, how could I be more proactive? If you ever find in your IT career that if you shut down your ticketing system or you shut down your email and you can't think of what you should be doing right now. You, you've become a slave to reactionary models. And I think people that are in that model are terrified of, of automation um, as taking away their job. Right. But if they step back and start automating those things, you know, if I think about Google and the way that their site reliability group works, uh, th those people did 50% operations and 50% automating away the operations they did during that day. Those people haven't got less work to do. Um, you know, it may be a highly optimized infrastructure, but it's also a highly complex infrastructure. And thus they have even new stuff to automate every single day. And they just keep getting better and better so that the quality of the product to their consumers improves. But they're not out of a job. They're just as busy as they were day one automating. I would say you're when you do things like that, you're also more and more important because the time that you're spending is more and more important to the organization, right? If you have that initial vision to orient yourself towards what the business is actually doing, as opposed to what, I don't know, what the IT department was doing. And mm -hmm. Well, so, I mean, I, I like to think of it as about two and a half years ago, Google, Google had an outage because someone, a global outage, because someone committed the wrong thing to one of their network uh, source systems that got pushed out to the whole world. It lasted for 17 nanoseconds. That's exactly how long it took before the automated system detected the error and reverted the change. Um, you know, the value is found in not having global outages for all of your customers, right? That's pretty freaking important for Google at this point. So it, it's amazing how automation like that that drives quality makes a difference. Same thing is true if you think about auto manufacturing, right? 
cars that don't break down are cars that people buy. Cars that break down are not cars that people buy. Simple, right? Yeah, very, very true. Absolutely. Did you find? Did you find in that automation journey that um, when you were automating things that? Uh, so I assume that when you were going to talk about you know logistics and and automation that you're gonna you're gonna find that um, when you automated something you were actually loading up the downstream, right? Uh, <laughs> right. When when I have an automation process, then it pushes all the work downstream to whoever's supposed to do that next, mm-hmm. right? And then you find that um, that the entire system actually has choke points that you didn't know about. And uh, I, I I don't know that that that's the thing that pops into my head when I think about automation. You 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 automate what you think is the choke point, and then you find a new choke point. Yeah. So if you're uh, a studier of lean or agile methodology at all, or even DevOps for that matter, um, the consistent argument is there is only one constraint in any flow optimization. Um, the idea is that there's one place that's causing everything else to slow down. Once you've removed that constraint, then there's only one constraint. It moves down, right? <laughs> so the right. argument is absolutely what you just said, which is yes, you're going to continue to find them. Um, this problem is probably why I think that any automation needs to consider the value stream. Um, the conceptualization of the value stream, as I'm talking about it right now, is if you think about what is valuable to the company and you tie it back to IT capabilities eventually, right? Uh, okay, uh, I'm a bank. So mobile banking app is a way that we retain customers between the ages of 20 and 40 because it's something that they want. New features to the mobile app so we can stay competitive with the other banks is critical to be able to do that. How do we, what IT capabilities allow us to get more features into the mobile app more often, right? Um, If we can tie back all the way back to that top of that value stream, which is more features more often, which means maintaining and increasing revenue in that target age group, uh, you know, and maybe the way that we've done that is we say, you know, the biggest problem we have today is we need to be able to test uh, changes in this app with 30,000 servers at the same time for some ridiculous reason, right? Um, maybe what we need is we need to stop. We can't go buy 30,000 servers. We certainly don't want to build 30,000 virtual machines. Maybe we need the burstability of a cloud to be able to do that, right? You need to be able to let go of some of those things that have been traditionally yours, um, that are true choke points in order to make sure that, that you have the business thing. So I, I see this all the time, the opposite, which is, uh, you know, the people in charge of provisioning are trying to make provisioning better, but they ignore networking, they ignore security, they ignore the need for load balancers and stuff and just say, look, my job is faster. The buck has moved somewhere else. Um, if you don't look at holistically from the business perspective of why are we doing this, then maybe you're just trying to fry taco shells faster because it makes you happy. <laughs> and for some people, that's definitely the case. I know it would be for me because you kind of made me hungry talking about tacos. But <clears throat> I will say for listeners out there, if you haven't read The Goal by Elihu Goldrat about lean manufacturing, that's a really good one. And of course, The Phoenix Project, a lot of folks really like that. But what I was going to say, Joseph, you know, we talked about automation, the value stream, but automation is really about you automate something and then you're on to the next iteration. And throughout your career, you went on to the next iteration. So 
what what would you say are some practical tips for for listeners who want to get to that next iteration knowing what you know and having been where you have been on the journey if if I want to iterate faster and I'm a listener what should I do hmm. so uh I'm going to say something that is deeply unpopular, but I'm going to preface it uh, because because of the deeply unpopular. I, I find that a lot of people in technology are essentially introverts. They're not social beings by nature. Um, it doesn't mean that they don't have you know deep relationships and all that. I'm I'm a pretty extreme introvert to be honest with you. Uh, but the thing that they need to learn um, to really iterate faster is an understanding that we are social creatures and a lot of the people they're dealing with are social creatures. So they need to find a way to interact with those people and a way to have the emotional intelligence to read what's going on in a room um, and disconnect themselves from defending the technology. Um, Sometimes, you know, that there are games and uh, methodologies used by social creatures, passive aggressive challenge methodologies, things like that. That they're used. So, uh, you really to iterate faster in your career. One of the things you need to do is you need to go read a couple psychology books and start to think about the why. Uh, why are they doing this? Why are they acting this way? Why are they saying it? What are they really trying to, to say or do? And, and that's going to be one of the things that will help you propel your career better than anything else. Um, we often take the approach. Uh, both as technologists and, and as introverts, at least I've been guilty of this, uh, the approach of saying, I think this way. So if I could just help them to see how cool this technology is, they would adopt it and understand the value of it. Um, and it's not the best sales methodology, right? Um, sometimes we can take people on a journey and help them discover for themselves. But the reality of it is, is we need to understand the different personal value motivators of people and play to those things. And, and like I said, that's a deeply unpopular because even uh, among uh, my close friend peer groups that that would be taken as a, Oh, you're playing the game. Uh, no, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that you understand that everybody has motivations for what they do. You need to understand by starting to try to understand other people's motivations, you will better understand your own motivations for what you do. And you'll better be able to find the things that you're passionate about which will ultimately lead you to more happiness in your career and potentially more opportunities to do what you're happy would like to be doing. I feel like um, you touched on something there, which was learning social interaction and complex uh, systems of social interaction, especially within a business context to help people understand, you know, why, different organizations act certain ways and why different people within organizations act certain ways. Uh, and as technologists, you know, sometimes we just, you know, are completely reductive. Oh, that guy's just a blocker, right? That guy just doesn't, he doesn't want to change or, you know, she doesn't want to do, you know, she just doesn't like any of my ideas. And, and it, I, I don't know, I, I would like to recommend uh, a book, um, the introverts guide to business, social interaction. Um, I can't recommend that. That doesn't exist. I think I just made up that title, but I feel like somebody should write that book um, and then I could read it and recommend it. Um, however, I feel like you mentioned, you know, the the existence of books. Um, 
are there any like in that psychology area that that you could recommend um, that that have been helpful to you? Oh, you can ask me a question. The answer is not off the top of my head because I'm not looking at my library right now. I'm at a hotel, so uh, I'll get back to you, and you can mention it on a on a future podcast with a couple recommendations there um, with reading. Um, I would say probably the best thing you can do to prepare for it is a lot like other things, because I find that a lot of people in technology learn by doing, you need to put yourself in these situations to learn by doing. Uh, one of the things that I had done in the past, you know, cause I, I learned best by doing and then secondary by reading for me. So books are important. So I will suggest some, but um, you know, one of the things in the past that I did was Toastmasters, which is like a speaking group, right? But being able to go to that group and, and see people who are, I'd say young executives mostly are in those groups and, and try to figure out what they're doing and why they're doing and talking to them is infinitely useful. Um, step away from the technology and just talk to people about what, what matters to them and what they care about and why they care about it, what they're trying to do and what their thought process is, is really important. And, you know, introverts generally deal well one-to-one instead of large groups, right? So you can have those conversations and learn things. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things because um, I, I readily admit that I initially started a career in technology with my computer science degree uh, because the thing I love about computers is they do exactly what I tell them every time. They follow the rules, right? I'm a bit of a control freak and I wanted to control something. So the best thing to control are inanimate objects or computers. Uh, and I think that's true of a, a fair number of people that they get into IT traditionally. Um, and so we have to kind of, let go of that desire of it's so easy to tell a computer what to do and it does it and understand the complex social that exists for us to be um, successful in getting some of our ideas because we're innovators and we've got great ideas, but we've got to do a little bit better pitching it and selling it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally understand it. It's funny. I asked the question and you were talking and a book popped into my mind, but I'm actually hesitant to recommend it, but I will mention it. It's called Rules of the Game by Neil Strauss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, the subtitle is Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. It's <laughs> a great subtitle. And how many times have you read this book, John? I've read it a bunch of times. A bunch of times. It, it's it's a little bit disturbing, um, you know, how dedicated people are to becoming pickup artists. Um, but what is interesting about it is, you know, in that subculture, people will study human interaction to the point where they go, oh, if I approach somebody and just, you know, lock eyes with them from 20 feet away and maintain eye contact as I walk towards them, that's very intimidating. But if I don't look at them and then approach them from the side and then talk to them side to side, then it's not as intimidating and people feel more comfortable. And I think a lot of people who are introverts or who don't have a lot of experience with social interaction would not think about things like that. And um, so it just made me think about just that. Right. And uh, it, again, I'm hesitant to recommend it because uh, it is talking about this, you know, weird subculture, um, which can be a little bit toxic at times, I think. But um, just if you have, if you need your eyes opened to the idea that there are systems and, um, you know, people 
react in ways for very specific reasons. And then maybe you could think about what those are. Um, it is a book that can open your eyes to that. I, that there's a lot of value in what you just said related to the fact that, you know, when I was early and in my career, I didn't think about those things or even care that much about them. Right. Uh, I think it's best illustrated by the, the first job I got out of college. Uh, you know, they were having a retirement party for something for someone. And, and, uh, my boss comes around, he gets to all the IT guys. He's like, come on, we're going to the party. And, and all of us are just groaning, right? We don't want to go to the party. We don't care. We just want to keep working on our computers, right? And he's like, we're going to the party. We have to show up for the party. And, and, and I realized he was teaching a, a somewhat interesting principle, which is uh, ultimately, um, you know, it's important to be seen there. It's important to be seen as supporting that. Um, you know, we all stood in the back talking about geeky things and then left as soon as we could. But uh, you know, the, the, these sort of not even thinking about the impact of my choice of not going beyond how it impacts me. I mean, there certainly is a, a development of empathy and compassion for others that develops with this. Uh, you know, as we start to understand their motivation for things, we can help them with those things and be compassionate to helping with those things. So I, I do want to, you know, state one quick thing here. You know, it's an interesting conversation of, of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. I don't want anyone to do anything fake. I don't want anyone mm. to pretend to do something right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I, I think if anything, I've tried to illustrate that it is an iterative process of learning and getting better over time. It's not something you're just going to master, you know, it, to the pickup artist game, right? I'm not attempting to manipulate people as much as understand them and understand how we can win together. It's a compromise game, not a, um, you know, a, not I'm the biggest rooster in, in, in the room, right? Kind of game. I, I'm not, that's not a Joseph Griffiths thing because I, I, I find that to be artificial and, and I don't like it and I just can't do that. I can't, it's not honest to me, right? It's a, if I understand what's important to you and I understand what's important to me, can we come up with a solution that we're, what's important to you and what's important to me achieves together. Right. Yeah. The, the avoidance of the zero sum trap, right. Yeah. The idea that like there has to be a winner, there has to be a loser um, as opposed to, Hey, how do we all win together? How do you get what you want while I get what I want? Yeah. I, I think, I think there's so many opportunities for compromise and win-win situations um, across everything we do, uh, you know, it, it, it's, this isn't a power game for me. It's, it's the reality of the world is that this is the best way for us to get things done that allows us to do really interesting and really great things and change organizations, right. And change the, the environments we live in, uh, to being far better than they could, they are right now. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, we, it's a personal journey. Uh, you need to find the right fit for you because that kind of social aspect is not easy. It's not comfortable and it's not necessary for all jobs. But if you want something that will really give you the ability to have more opportunities, um, it, it isn't going to be that you have the best teeth in the game from a technology standpoint. Um, you know, I, I wish I could say that I was an incredibly remarkable technologist. I, I can't admit to that because I've 
been surrounded with incredibly remarkable technologists who really understand technology and are just incredible people. And I've been amazed by them every day and I'm just not that good. Um, you know, uh, where I have been successful is that I can take the combination of those social skills and the combination of, of the knowledge that I do have, put those together and help people come to a win-win. Right. And, and that shows a lot of value to companies. So does this mean I have to dump my Highlander mentality of there can be only one? Man, you guys just blew my mind with that. I I, I I guess it depends on if you're cha- planning on chopping off my head and stealing my power, Nick. Um, if, if the answer is yes, then then my answer to that is uh, yes, you do need to drop the Highlander <laughs> methodology. I'm rather, uh, appreciative of my head where it is right now, and so is my family. Yeah, um, I would do that to you. If it means you're planning on wearing a kilt and carrying a sword, uh, for personal reasons, I would actually like to see that. So, yeah, go ahead and do that, too. Uh, just no heading, right? No beheading. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, maybe for the yeah, Scottish uh, Festival or something. Well, you know, you can just do it on the next podcast. I'm sure your your uh, listeners would love to have a few pictures of that action uh, <laughs> just for blackmail later, right? I mean, I, I'd even store one of those for the occasional Twitter post for you. Uh, a tweet, I guess I should call that. Uh, I'm, I'm old school. I just Twitter posted. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, th- this is always the problem, right? Um, my mother, uh, wisely gave me a piece of advice as a child. And I think it, it stuck with me ever since is son, there's always going to be someone better at that than you. And, and I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, anything. And <laughs> I've taken that with me that there are there are people that are so incredible at what they do. And, and like I said, I, I have really been um, blessed to have the opportunity as I move from company to company to be surrounded with so many people who have mentored me. I mean, I work for some incredible people right now at VMware and, and the mentoring is just incredible. They teach me, they foster the opportunities for me to learn and they push me to learn. Right. And, and that's true of, every job I've ever worked in my life, there's been someone there who pushes me to learn, to grow and and become better, whether it's the uh, taco flipping or something else, right? It's somebody that has been there to kind of push me. And so I've just been thankful by all these incredible people who've made a huge difference in in driving me forward in my life. And I'm surrounded with them constantly. And, you know, they're kind enough occasionally to give me the opportunity or show up when I do a presentation and say, you did a good job, even though I probably just sucked at it. So, I, I appreciate those people that are enhancing my life, you know, and, and I think that we all have opportunities to have those people around us and learn from them. Was that a decision point um, as far as uh, choosing a place to work? Yeah, um, so I want to go to places where people like that exist. Yes. Um, I, I want to go to the right place um, f- for me career choices are, are somewhat of a religious thing for me. I'm a, I'm a pretty religious person. And, and so for me, I, I make it a matter of prayer on, on where I move and when I move. So that's ultimately the decision maker for me. But, uh, you know, for, from my perspective, um, you know, going to VMware, VMware was a target for me for about becoming a VMware employee was a target for about four years of my career. Um, and, and so I tried to make myself increasingly more attractive to VMware by getting more and more VMware certifications, doing the kind of work that was considered cutting edge for VMware, which would be cloud back then and uh, multi-cloud and 
doing uh, lots of uh, private cloud type stuff. And, and so, yes, I did try to make myself attractive because um, quite honestly, every interaction I'd had with VMware employees had pushed me to go to a new level or to learn something new or challenged me in a way that I didn't expect. And, and I've really valued that. And I, you know, in a position now as a VMware employee who's done a fair number of employ, uh, interviews, I, I hope I'm able to share some of that that was shared with me during those many interviews that I did with VMware. So yeah, I, I do target, but you know, there, there's a lot more to my thought process than just that. I don't specifically look like that person's going to be my mentor because I find that organizations are very, very uh, dynamic. They change over time. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Uh, if you target a specific group, you know, the four or five people there might change in the next week or the next month or the next six months. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you pick a, an organization where it's a general culture of being a certain way of support, of of mentorship, of development, um, then you have a better chance. Yeah, I think I think if you cleanly look at your your career, a lot of us will honestly say that we left jobs because we either liked or disliked our boss. Um, you know, we had a boss change and the boss made us miserable, so we moved on to a different job. Or we really liked this job, so we stayed at this job far longer than we should have because we love that boss. Or that boss really, you know, made us feel capable or helped us grow or whatever is we're passionate about. Um, you know, with with larger companies, to me, it's about the company culture. Uh, you know, I, I spent some time at IBM. Uh, I'm now with VMware, and, and I can tell you, there's very different company cultures between the two. And during the the time, I've had bosses change just about as often as I did at those jobs. Um, but ultimately, the culture uh, is what. I look for in a company now, uh, which sounds really weird because, you know, I used to not even understand what the word culture means. And so I, I'll just define it for those that are here. Uh, for me, it, it's a set of beliefs and a set of practices. So it's not just saying that they believe in, um, you know, personal time off and work-life balance, but practices that encourage those things from an organization, like giving you time off or, uh, you know, giving you the ability to go volunteer for a week like VMware does, a uh, paid week of volunteer service per year, right? So those are practices that support the belief system that they put in that ultimately line up to culture. So yeah, culture culture does make a big difference for me now because I work for the company culture, not for the individual boss like I used to. Makes a lot of sense. I think that is a really great uh, mic drop moment uh, and a stopping point. But um, before we uh, let you go for the evening, maybe you could tell us uh, how to get in touch with you on social media, your blog. I don't think we uh, mentioned the URL. So um, what are all those contact points? <laughs> yeah, I, I always like the gratuitous pimping of, of my much media. Uh, so uh, my blog is blog.jgriffiths. It's J-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H-S dot O-R-G. Uh, been around for about 10 years. You're going to see uh, my uh, random ramblings. You're going to see lots of VMware stuff. You're going to see early on Linux and Solaris stuff and just about everything in between. So love to have more readers. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Cortez. It's G-O-R-T-E-E-S. Uh, or just search for Joseph Griffiths and you'll probably find me. Uh, I, I did want to, you know, make 
one kind of final statement. I'll, I'll call it my final mic drop since you called the last one a mic drop, right? Which is, um, I, I don't want anyone to get discouraged by the conversation. Um, I, I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed or like it's too much to take on. Um, you know, we talked about this being like an 11 year journey for me, right. Uh, to where I'm at right now. And uh, I'm not a CEO or a vice president or anything, Look, I, but I'm, I'm extremely happy with, with the job I have. I'm extremely happy with my career progression and where it's going right now. And, and it, it allows me to do something that I'm very passionate about, which is making sure that our customers are successful in their journeys and receive business value from it. Those are things that I, that excite me personally to do it. I don't want people to think that they have to change overnight. I just want them to think about what one step can you take right now in practical world, you know, go do a presentation one. Don't overwhelm yourself trying to say, I'm going to go do 50, right? Just do one thing, take one step and um, grow by taking those steps that are uncomfortable, little ones. Uh, It's really the way to have, a lot of success in your life and a lot of happiness is by learning something new and pushing yourself in new ways on a regular basis. And, and that may not be career. You may want to go climb a mountain. My, uh, my 12 year old daughter wants to climb Mount Everest. And I said, well, we better get on the rock wall pretty soon then start working our way up there. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that I, I just, I don't want people to become discouraged. There's hope, uh, you know, and, and you can be the best, whatever you are right now, and there's nothing wrong with that either in a career journey. That is a career journey. It's a journey with progression. Really like that message. Yeah. Joseph, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Thanks. guys, for letting me ramble on. I appreciate the invitation. Sure. Fantastic stuff, Joseph. And I will say, if you need to take that one step, there's no reason you can't reach out to someone like Joseph. I know that I've reached out to him to follow up on you know one of his VCP talks for some advice, he's offered to mentor other people in the community a number of times. So uh, keep that in mind. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer questions if you have them. But you know, another thing you might do if you're taking that one step is send out that tweet to at Nerd Journey to sign up for the John White School of Mentoring and get on the iteration train to get your career to the next level. Every time I, every time I fall for that, I'm like, oh, he's about to say something like very profound. Nope. Just the same joke. Yeah, I just say something profound. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I I was too busy tweeting the nerd journey uh, thing to get on the, uh, the career progression thing with John White. (laughs) I just have to finish typing that out right now because I definitely want to get in on this. Yeah. Pricing and packaging to come, Joseph. Pricing and packaging to come. (laughs) That's beautiful. Actually, I, th- I think you gave me a title for my next book, but I'd have to steal it from you. You probably just copyrighted it. So, is it pricing and packaging to come? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was thinking the John White School of uh, Management Tips, or the one you mentioned earlier that I've already forgotten. I got to listen to the re-recording. You actually had a really good title earlier, which is like, uh, you know, the the Introvert's Guide to Social Interaction or something. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I really like that one. That, that that was something I have some definitive thoughts on, uh, you know, along with my uh, everything in life can be compared to a monkey in the raining peanut butter and jelly sandwich, the longest title ever made. <laughs> and who wouldn't want to be mentored by somebody who's going to be a future author? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't put that one on me. That's a goal that I haven't set yet. Uh, that, that, that's another year's goal. But yeah, to answer your question, your statement, I am more than happy to mentor or help anybody. Uh, anyone who's seen me in interactions will know that I will dedicate a great amount of my personal time to helping people um, because it is one of the things that personally fulfills me. So happy to help anyone reach out. Twitter's probably your best bet. Uh, I handle it like my email. So you're only going to get a response once every three days from me because otherwise the social media and I don't get along. So just FYI. Every three days, I think a 24 hour turnaround. That's email. Corporate. Uh, email. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We won't give that one out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you got to meet me in person at one of my many live events to get my card so you can get my email to blast me. There you go. Joseph, once again, thanks so much. Uh, we'll have you back on at some point in time in the future and we'll uh, tell more stories. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Wow. Wow, Nick. What a generous guy. That was a really fun interview, man. I thought so. But I'll tell you what, John. First tacos and now peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That makes me hungry. Hungry for more Nerd Journey, that is. And if you are too, make sure you subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Yes, yes. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Wow. Wow. What a generous guy. That was a really fun interview, Nick. Absolutely, it was. But man, first tacos and now peanut butter and sandwiches? Ah, I messed it up. Ah!